everybody. Hey, welcome to the Texans Take. All right. Well, I suggest that without too much chitter-chatter, we should probably get moving on in this chapter. We are almost to one of the most important parts of the Bible. It's the coffee stain. This stain has been in this book for I don't know how long, but... Probably close to the time I got the yeah, Bible. How old is Probably. your Bible? Uh, I got that one... End of, uh, probably 2015. Okay, so it's five years old. So this coffee stain has been here for five years. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a momentous occasion. Uh, what if, every one of my Bibles have something like that. I have one with a Bible ripped page. is stained by this coffee. We will soon find out. It's funny, my... my my other Bible that I, I usually use when I'm like uh -huh. teaching, that one has, I was, uh, and I think I've said this before, I was teaching uh, on the our, our favorite mm. Elijah passage. Yes, yes, yes. And I was doing it all very last minute, and I had a collection of every Bible, you know, laid out on my desk, and I was searching through every one of them, trying to see, you know, differences yep, and yep. this and that. And uh, I knocked the Bible that I really like the most off the desk and i went to grab it and as i did my hand slipped and i grabbed one page no no <laughs> and so no, i've taped sorry. the page back together as well as i can it's okay but you can still it's it's pretty rough but yeah, yeah. it happened to be the entire page that i was uh using for the elijah encounter yeah with the prophets yeah. of Baal. Yeah. Mm. So it, let's just put it this way. It's very easy to find that spot in the Bible now. I, I guess so. There's a little bit more than a crease. <laughs> yeah, you just flipped to that part. Well, it's like the other day I dropped my phone. Oh, did you kill it? And no, I didn't kill it. But it, for, from an outside observer, this is what it would look like. Oops, drop my phone and then just kick it like a drop <laughs> kick. And it goes flying, you know. But what actually happened was... I was pulling it out of my car, and when I dropped it, sometimes my feet instinctively like move closer to whatever I drop, as in like maybe Try to I catch can it with slow your foot. its descent. That was so clumsy <laughs> this morning, and it literally just—I heard a solid bop, and then the phone just went flying past my door and just like bounced off the ground a couple of times, and I was like. Please, oh please, oh please. <laughs> well, it's fine. Well, that was like a couple of years ago when I when I first got the other phone that I had. I hadn't had it very long at all. It's something to every time I get a phone, something happens to it within like a week of getting it. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm just kind of resigning to the fact that that's the way it's going to be. But uh, I had just gotten the phone and I, I did the same thing. I like pulled it out of my pocket and it got hung on the way out of my pocket. And so it went flying to the ground, and I reached out to grab it, and instead of grabbing, I just like smacked, smacked it to the ground. Down, down. Just, so from an outside observer, it looked like I pulled the phone out of my pocket, tossed it up in the air, and just smacked it on the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when things like that happen, generally you do what? You like pick it up quickly, and you're like, "Oh, dang it! I didn't mean to do that." Ha! Huh? But if you can see that when you do that, whatever you're doing that to, like, smashes and is destroyed forever, then the only thing you can do is, and that's the end of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I meant to do that, and I'm going to get another one, and, you know, I can do that just because. This is uh, why I always buy insurance yeah, with my right. phones. Anyway, so. uh, intentional. Um, well, you meant to do that. You did a very good job, then. 
Anyway, so hey, hey, I, let's... I, I don't, I don't halfway anything. No, 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 no. You, no, you no. go, you go full force. Yeah, 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 definitely. So anyway, let's get on with the Bible. So, um, ooh, it's about to get shady here. Um, I think we ended on verse eleven of chapter twelve. Uh, and thus you shall eat it. With a belt on your waist and sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I think we're a little bit further on than that, but we'll start there anyway. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. And they do. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven, leaven not lemon, leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first, day, so do it. So that means you're gonna get you're gonna get the same days. punishments as everyone else right, in Egypt. Right. Yeah. Don't eat that. Don't do it. Don't do it. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner, no manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared, uh, oh, oh, that only may be prepared by you. Uh, so you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. So we have the Passover, and then we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, in the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of so Israel. So at some point you just stop, you know, using leaven, so when you go to, you don't have to dump a whole bunch of it out. yeah. <laughs> That would stink. Whether that same person shall be called of Israel. Now, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land, let me back up and say that sentence again. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. I don't think that I have used. I don't think that I have said the word unleavened out loud this so many, many times, times. You know, I mean, normally when I read the scriptures, it's to myself. You know, right. when I say it out loud, it's like, whew, well, okay. and you process. You process. Your brain processes different things. You know what you want to say. Mm -hmm. And here's like an interesting, and it has nothing to do with this, but it kind of does. Just the way your brain works. Say that again. It has nothing to do with this, but it kind of does. <laughs> Keep going. Well, it's all about the way your brain processes something. So yeah. I was I was watching a, a little thing 
and a guy was talking about the way your brain processes colors. Interesting. And he said, your brain actually cannot process the color purple. All right. Pray tell. Continue. Your brain knows what red is, and your brain knows what blue is. But combined, your brain makes up a color. Ah, one of those. Right. There's no, and, and it's one of those, There's it, the video is, there's no real color is purple. But after watching that video and doing a little bit of, re he's not wrong. Yeah. What we know is purple. It's just a mixture. It's just a mixture because it's not one of the colors that your brain actually knows what it is. So is that the same thing for, because we have different color rods in our eyes. Right. Right. Um, and so I know that we have rods and cones and combinations of different things like that, you know, give you red and I guess blue and green and whatever. So I wonder if, I wonder if you have the same kind of deal with blue and green and whatever else. Kind of. And, and he, he described it as kind of the same way with the color yellow. Uh -huh. Your brain just kind of doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And makes up something. Right. Yeah. So yellow is going to be kind of right in between what? Red and green somewhere? Um, I don't remember. I don't remember what yellow is. Mixture of blue and green, is that what it is? Maybe I can't remember. Uh, it's been too long, but anyway, your brain processing things yeah. when you're reading something like if I'm reading in my head, I can read it all, but when I start reading it out loud, it's like, Oh, how do you say that word? My brain did just fine, but the mouth ain't doing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a love loss between my brain and my mouth when it comes to reading sometimes. What I might be thinking is, well, I think it's red, green, and blue. Let's see RGB, here. red, green, blue. Combination of those, as far as the light spectrum goes, creates pretty much every color that we, you know. Yeah, you were right. Red and green. Red and green. Red and green make you yellow. You see the picture? Which is funny, because it's like, I know that red and green kind of sort of make yellow, but I don't. Okay. My brain can't picture it for some reason. Yeah, so there's the optics of what your actual eye can read, which yeah. is green, red, blues. Yeah. Your prime colors, it can your eyes can actually pick those up. Yeah. But you kind of make make stuff up in between, which yeah. he was describing people that are colorblind. Mm -hmm. That's why they see different shades of those same prime colors in different forms. Right. It's because their brain doesn't receive red, green, and blue, mm -hmm. and so it's always confused. Right, right. Interesting. Hi, wait, uh, um, how do we get talking about colors? Uh, yeah, your uh, your your brain when you're reading. Oh, being wait. able to read those words without problems, but gotcha. then when you yes, okay, you actually start reading them out loud, it becomes uh -huh. a little more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like unleavened, you can read that you know well, fine in your head. That makes sense. But you don't say that word that often. It's not part of your normal vocabulary, so you kind actually like have to think about to reading it. like a girl that's really beautiful. Yeah. And that you're incredibly interested in. Yeah. You know, it sounds amazing in your head, but as soon as it comes out of your mouth, you know. It's like, oh, what was I supposed to say here? It's just, bleh, 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 you know. It's like, well, she hates me now and thinks that I'm a retard. And 
it's just terrible. It's like I love that I love that scene where we're 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 going way off. This is oh well, it's Egypt, the, the movie, the Mummy. Yes, yes, yes. And he go, he goes up to to Rachel Wise and he's like, "What's a place like you doing in a girl like this?" No, no. <laughs> That's funny. All right, moving on, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, ha. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of this house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on your lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over your door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. Uh, interesting note. Um, this is not the only time that we see something like this. Obviously, this is the only time that God um, is actually passing. This is the only time that God actually passed through and killed people in this way who did not have the blood uh, on the doorposts. And this very... Uh, it's symbolic later on in the Bible um, because I'm mean, even for us right now, it's that blood is Christ's blood for mm -hmm. us. You know, if we don't have Christ's blood um, in our hearts, shadowing. it's a shadowing. Exactly. Uh, thank you, Bill Hill. Uh, if we don't have Christ's blood in our hearts, if we don't, ha if, if his blood was not shed for us, then in a sense, in the day of judgment, uh, God will not pass over us. He will, you know, will go to H-E double hockey stick and not, not have a good time. Um, and just randomly thinking now, you know, we just we just watched, for everyone who doesn't know, because we did this last podcast after the podcast, yes, we watched yes. The Passion. Oh, my goodness. I wonder if that's almost symbolic of why they were cleaning up the blood like that. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, what a movie, by the wow. way. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen The, the Passion of the Christ. The Passion of the Christ. Yeah, it's amazing. And I did not actually realize that the whole movie was done in as much as Mel Gibson could tell the original languages. Mm -hmm. Latin, Hebrew. Uh, they do have an English version where it's all in english did they do the whole movie again no no it's just they, they've english. subtitled though oh, okay. they they voiced the whole thing in english okay i was gonna say that would be a feat wow anyway yeah do the whole thing again yeah that was it was an impressive movie it really was and what's even what's even more interesting is uh jim caviezel during the scene where he's going up to the the uh the mount mm-hmm uh, there were several Not times, really. yeah, this, there were several times that he was actually penetrated by the cat of nine tails that they were using and just continued acting. They didn't even know that it was happening until after the scenes were done. And he was like, yeah, I got to go. Wow. <laughs> he had it all along his back and everything. because, he, But he didn't want to stop what he was doing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, stop now. No, he, he like went through with it. Yeah. Well, I mean... He looks like he's suffering. Yeah, so. well, it's it's those scenes like the 
he wasn't, I don't think he was originally supposed to drop the cross like that. Yeah. That was an accident because he got hit the first time. Mm-hmm. That was when he first got hit. Yeah. And so, and if you watch it again, knowing that, you see like the, oh, look on his face. Yeah. Like that wasn't supposed like, to happen. That wasn't supposed to happen. But, but then wow. he just keeps trucking along. Yep. But they filmed that whole thing in, in a day right there. Really? Yeah, and he did not tell anybody. He didn't tell anybody about it until they were completely so done he, filming. So he, he had, I guess, uh, uh, some sort of padding or something on his back that was, you know, masked by makeup. Yeah, it was blood. supposed to, and it just, and the it Cat of Nine Tails just, it. it like ripped, and they didn't know that it ripped. And so they were obviously, they were told to hit like those spots. Yeah. And so it was just repeated hits on those spots where it had ripped and penetrated, and it was yeah. just cutting through more. Well, it's it's a cat, it's a whip, you know, mm-hmm. it's a whip, and those the the cat and nine tails. And is, traditionally, the cat and nine tails actually had glass and stuff woven into the end of yeah, it. Yeah, it's a to dig beastly, just a beastly thing. Um, and which I didn't know this. I have a book of like phraseology down there. Uh-huh. It's actually not in that book, which I was surprised, because it has the most off-the-wall stuff and the stuff that we say in everyday language. But William was telling me that the phrase, well, the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. It's referring to the cat. It's referring to when they pull the cat of nine tails out. Yep. Yep. Kind of, you know, the cat's out of the bag. Somebody's going to get punished. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Very interesting stuff. Uh, highly recommend the passion. Yeah, of definitely. And I'll put a I'll put a link. Uh, if any of y'all have Amazon Watch Prime, with discretion. Yes, if you have children, very present much because maybe you don't want your. In children fact, present. I didn't watch it when it first came out because of that. Dad and mom did a lot of thinking about it before they let me watch it, um, and finally, Dad came to the conclusion like it's something that needs to be seen. Yeah. To be able to truly understand. It's probably the closest that you'll get to actually seeing, you know, the amount that he suffered before the cross. And that's just before the cross. I mean, like I said before, the fact that Christ suffered so much before being put on the cross is not what makes it so, such a terrible thing. Right. You know, there are people who have had far worse deaths than Christ did um, as far as the physical death goes. Um, what makes it uh, so terrible is that when he is on the cross, he is bearing, he is bearing the punishment, the physical and spiritual punishment of every single sin that you, me, our listeners, the whole world from before and ever after who are in Christ uh, he's receiving the full punishment of everybody that his blood purchased. And that's a lot of people. And another thing that I think is very interesting, you're talking about, you know, suffering and all of that. Um, and all of the all of the scripture tells us this. Mm-hmm. Uh, even things, you know, historical texts outside of this that the Catholics have, because I've actually looked this up. Yeah. They label it like this but traditionally is not the way it was normally done. So when you were crucified, the stakes actually went into your wrist mm. right here. Yeah. Because that's that's there's a bone right there that's going to keep it from breaking, that's going to keep you from being able you've to be released. You've got the radius, you've got the ulna, and then you've got all of the uh, you've got all the bones in your wrist. Right, and they catch and it right of, there between those you put two. Put it right in the middle there. Yeah, it'll it'll Hold your hand in Everything place. in scripture tells us it was his it was his hands. Yeah. 
which is the way they show it in the movie. And I had never thought about that. Uh-huh. I think they did that out of just pure spite because that hurts more. Yeah. You're ripping. And they kind of show that when they well, can't get it all the way across and they just like rip him across. Here's the thing. It's added suffering. Exactly. If they pierce you in the wrist, you've got major arteries that come through your wrist. If you slit your wrist, that's, a, that's you know, chances yeah. are you're going to die. And, and the idea of and crucifixion so pierce, was... get pierced through the wrist and pinned to the cross, right. you're going to die quick. Right. And they don't want that now, do Which, they? No. And what's interesting about, you know, the actual idea of crucifixion is that doesn't kill you. What kills you is your breastplate is su- is crushing your suffocate. lungs. You suffocate to death. You do. It's crushing your lungs. And as long as you can, like, keep your, your strength to hold yourself there, yeah. you're fine. Yeah. And that's why it was always such a long period. Yeah. You know, people would be up there for sometimes days. days yeah. Because and that's why... If- you watch the passion of christ um um if they for whatever reason decide okay he's had enough go ahead and kill him they don't just pull him down and kill him they don't stick him pierce them no they break their knees and if you've broken your knees you cannot lift yourself up now that is one way yeah but that's not that's not the the uh, what's funny is i actually did see that and i Uh thought about that that is, there's another way that they did that. And mm-hmm. I always thought it was that way until I actually looked it up the other night okay. after watching that. Sure. That is another way they did it. But the other way they did it was they punctured your lungs. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you were, you were gone quick. They yeah. would actually stake you yeah. in your lungs. And then you would literally just suffocate right there. But it was added pain. Yeah. You know, the, you know, you're. And I, I did read that there there were two ways of doing that. And I think the puncturing your lungs method was used on a different type of cross, though. Because uh-huh. there were two different types of crosses that yeah. were commonly used. It was the X pattern and the, the actual we, we, yeah, we know the T cross. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I would imagine, and I, I don't know this because I couldn't actually find anything to say that, mm-hmm. but I, I wonder if the other method, because there's no real way to to break your knees and make that happen because you're staked on it like an X. Yeah. I think they use that method for that type of cross. That would make sense. But for the type where you're actually like keeping a little bit with your legs, they would just break your knees knees, and be done with it. Let you St. Andrew uh, died on an X cross, which is why you ever see the Scottish flag, um, the, the 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 cross on it is actually a saint a saint andrew's cross which is what it's called i actually didn't know that yep yeah i know peter was crucified on an x cross um i think he was he and then was. he was also crucified upside upside down, down. yeah because yeah. he requested that he yeah it was uh it was how did he put it i don't know it was, i don't i don't deserve to die like yeah i don't deserve to die like jesus, jesus kind of thing. something like that which i mean you put it that way that's that's actually really honorable in a it way is, yeah like there's and which is funny coming from peter <laughs> it is funny coming from peter because peter is not known he's not for known acts for... of uh, chivalry and bravery he's not known he's... for acts of bravery <laughs> no he in uh... fact he gets bad rap for the opposite right well it's... and that movie really does put that i wish yeah. it would show i wish it had gone the movie had gone a little bit longer yeah. and showed the whole coal fire thing yeah. that we talked about Ooh. That would have would that not have been amazing? amazing. You know, it kind of it kind of stops right at the the resurrection. Most of the movie 
Well, it's really just from start to finish, Jesus. It's his suffering. Yeah, it's it's from it's from the, the Garden uh, of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane until he dies on the cross, and then. And I love how they show that y'all couldn't y'all couldn't stay awake. Yeah. For a little bit of Just time. A little bit. Come on, guys. Well, hey, speaking about staying awake, uh, please stay awake. We've got to take a little bit of a break here, um, but we will be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. We are back. back. Short time for you, long time for us. That's right. As it always is. Uh... Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel in the two doorposts with your blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. Do y'all remember Jericho? No one near there Jericho yet. yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> but um, there's the prostitute um, that the spies meet with when they're s- spying out Jericho. Oh, yes. And they're about to get caught. They run into her house, and she puts them up, and she says, hide, I will hide you. And God basically... basically Blesses her uh, because she puts up his people, right? You know, and um, it's more complex than that. That's putting it very simply. Um, but anyway, what do the spies tell her to do? Because Jericho's getting leveled. I mean, leveled, um, and it's coming. That was the ones. That was the people that were never to have been existing. Oh. That's what we were talking about. Oh, really? Found it out. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> right. It will that he was going to level them to the point yeah. where they would never yeah, exist right. again. Right. Okay. That there it is. Okay. All right. Because I was looking Good. for it the other day, and I was like, well, maybe because they were never to exist, I can't find them. Yeah. Uh, the Jer- the I forget what they were, but yeah. The Jericanites. Anyway. Um, Thank you for that, because it was actually no on my mind. Yeah. I've been so trying to figure that out. On your mind, but off my tongue, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you just helped me. Thank you, because I've, I've actually looked that up several times today in a trying to find it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but where, where was I going with that? I'm sorry. Totally what do the spies tell? Um, and she's got a name. I forget her name. Well, we hope she has a name. Yeah, but the prostitute anyway. He says, we will spare you and your family. Um, Find a red, I think it's a rope, um, or cloth or something like that, and hang it out your window. Emphasis on red. Mm -hmm. Hang it out your window, and you and your family, your household, everybody that's under your roof will be spared. And she does that. And they live. Mm-hmm. And it's the same deal here. What happened? Her household was passed over. 
She didn't have the blood on the By doorpost. all the destruction. But she had the red rope or the red linen or whatever it was out the window. She wore a red ribbon. God passed <laughs> over her household. Because remember, I had forgotten about it that. Wasn't the, it wasn't the Israelites who destroyed Jericho. No. They just sat there and chanted and blew their horns, you know, because God told them to. It was God that leveled Jericho. Right. You know, and so you have the same deal here. Have, show the sign, and I will spare you when the destroyer comes. Mm. And, ladies and gentlemen, Jericho was destroyed. Oh, yeah, Jericho was uh, done but, for. Um, the, uh, and what's interesting is she was a prostitute. Now, I say that, I'm sure that there was loads of them over there in Jericho, and I'm pretty sure that everybody... Every woman could probably at some point be considered that at any point. Uh, but that was like her job description, right? And so uh, that gives us hope because, um, you know, uh, we're all sinners. And God did not come to save the just. He came to save the sinners, the prostitutes. Uh, he came to save the liars. He came to save the destitute. He came to save those that need help. Okay. And uh, so anyway, um, that's a really important imagery to remember as a Christian. So moving on here. Um, and it's funny. They do kind of subtly show that since we were talking about in the Passion. Yeah. You know, with the, you know, you who. Cleaning, yeah. cleaning up the blood. Yeah. Well, no, no. You know, when they show the, the you know, the. He was without sin cast the first stone. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they don't tell you that's what it is, but right, that's right. what it is. Yeah. And it's a it's a backflash right. of memory for him. And it's more for us than it is for, you know, it's surely it's really more of giving an example of who Christ was. Right. But I thought that was very well how they did yeah, that. They did a good job. You know, he just puts the it was like the Travis line in the dirt there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's he is without sin go for it and they're all just like tossing stones down like ah whatever yeah, yeah. it's not worth it yeah. it was a a pretty rendition that they did it was that was a sobering moment because yeah. that when when that scene came on i was just like wow because it had to have been at least close to what happened right you know yeah probably going along i haven't seen that movie in years so i watched it uh, again it i was, had actually never seen it, it was very so that was a wonderful as soon as you said we're watching the fashion, I was like, "Brilliant, great." So yeah, anyway, it was on the list of things you hadn't seen. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts. The Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, 
just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. That's not the end of the chapter. It sounds kind of like it, but it's not the end of the chapter. That's just the beginning. Eh. I say it's the beginning. Um, it's not the beginning, but... Um, this chapter is... Um, all part of the last plague, which starts in 11, death of the firstborn announced. God says, I'm going to do it. Goes to 12, where God says, hey, my people, I love you guys. Uh, do what I say so you won't die. And um, as we continue, um, we'll get to the actual plague. You know, he repeatedly does this. Yes, he does. This whole, do this or you will die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He does. You know, all the way back to, to you know, Abraham coming out with his bunny but, slippers. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before he says, do this or you will die, or do this to not die, he always promises them uh, good things. All right, yeah. You know? And that's, that is a pattern, y'all. It's a pattern that's all throughout Scripture. And that's where, and J.I. Packer... Uh, puts it in his book knowing god which i'll post a link to that on our, our it's a good book y'all our page uh kind of sad that i missed most of that with y'all's yeah. bible study because yeah. me and martin had went through that already in yeah. our but jay packer makes the point that that's why god's wrath is always fully justified yeah. he always gives you a promise for better things to come mm -hmm. a notice of if you don't do this this is the correction yep and that's why his wrath is always a hundred percent justified there's never a question of was god righteous right you so know i that, already said i will give you great things and if you don't do this here's what's going to happen yep. so the plague death of the firstborn and it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon. Wow. And all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he, all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night, and said, Ladies and gentlemen, we come to you today with the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible. It is the New King James Version. Um, just in case y'all were wondering. Uh, were you waiting for a Moses or God told Moses? I was, but this time it was actually Pharaoh talking. <laughs> oh! Yeah, little he. Well, at least he's acknowledging who God is. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. At night, so maybe he didn't right, see his face. Right, as you have said. Uh, also, take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. <laughs> <laughs> and the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. Where they said, we shall all be dead. You're just shuffling people outside like, get yeah, out, leave, get out, leave, go, leave, you, leave, go, leave. you're gone, go. You want my gold? Leave. You want my food? Leave. You know, uh, what, what do you want? What can I give you that will make you leave faster? Nikes? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they, uh, and they had asked of the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested, and they plundered the Egyptians. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides children. A mixed multitude went up with them also, in flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Uh, so they're leaving in haste. Big haste. Egyptians are kicking them out. Um, not Well, they're not kicking them out. They're like literally on their hands and knees. Uh, please uh, leave us. Please begging them to leave, giving them things to leave. Uh, you know, it's kind of like if somebody is, um, if somebody just won a trip to the Bahamas, but they got to get on the plane in the next 30 minutes or they're going to lose the chance. You're not just going to sit there and say, do you really want to go to the Bahamas or not? You're going to kick them, kick them in the pants. You're going to give them a hundred bucks and you say, get on that plane, leave, or you're going to miss it. You know? Yeah, it's not going to be there. Yeah, that's kind of the haste that the Egyptians are doing. They're like, get out and uh, take your animals and your children and whatever with you and my money and my clothes. Take my gold and my silver. Leave or we'll all die. Um, it took them long enough to come to this. Yeah. Um, and what I was, I was actually making a point there, believe it or not, but... Your hair covers um, it nicely. What? I said, but your hair covers it nicely. Thank you. You've Ouch. never heard that before? No. <laughs> I was getting to my point. Okay, well, your hair covers it nicely. Nice. As nice. in, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my dad's always yeah. said that. That's it's like, funny. oh, you were? Well, your hair covers it nicely. Nice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, my point. There you go, Dad. I used your line. <laughs> was that God had told them that this would happen several times, which is why he told them before he instituted the Passover. Uh, and before the Passover, you know, he said, hey, by the way, no, Pharaoh's not going to let you go. But he will eventually. And when he does, son, he's going to be like rushing you to leave. Like, please leave. Take all my stuff and leave. You're going to be leaving pretty quick in the night, you know. Um you know, uh, um, be why ready. Does, why does one leave in the night? Somebody only leaves in the night in a hurry. Nobody leaves in the night slowly, okay? If you're leaving in the night, that means that something went down. Somebody's lives are at stake. Uh, you know, something happened, and you need to get there now. And that's kind of how they're leaving in the night. Um, people pushing them out. God said that you'll leave quickly, which is why... When he institutes the Passover, he says, you know, um, eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet. 
the rod in your hand. Why does he do that? Okay. Because what are you going to do when you leave in a hurry? What are you going to do when you leave anywhere on a long journey? You're going to put on your shoes, you know, you're going to put on your belt and you're going to get your rod because you're on a journey. Think of a hiker. Think of somebody who's, you know, going on a, on a, you know, a thousand mile journey. You know, you always see them in the nice, fancy, expensive shoes, you know, wearing all the nice uh, hiking gear, nice big belt on to, to you know, uh, hold that gear, to hold that gear and a walking stick. And that's how he tells them uh, to eat the Passover. It's like, be prepared and do this. You're going you're gonna, to, you know, and not only does he tell them that, he says to eat the Passover in haste. When he tells them to eat the Passover, he doesn't just say, you know, um, uh, turn on a movie, invite your friends over, um, you know, and uh, 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 take your time, enjoy your meal. He says, eat it fast. Wolf it down. Why? Because it's a symbol. There's a lot of symbolism going on here. It's a symbol of what is to come. Not only is it a symbol of what it, what is to come here in this you know book of Exodus, but later on throughout the rest of the Bible, even till this day, we are to remember the Israelites being rushed out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And that's that's probably that. another reason of why every time after this you hear you know. I am the one who has yep. taken you out, out of the of land, land of Egypt. Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Yep. Hey, y'all, um, here's the verse right here. It's in the earlier chapter. Um, you shall let none of it remain, talking about, you know, the animal that you're sacrificing until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall, this is uh, chapter Oh, actually, this is earlier in this very chapter. It's chapter 12, verse 11. And thus you shall eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in the hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So there it is right there. When you eat the Passover feast, you know, have your shoes on your feet, your belt on your waist, your staff in your hand, eat it with haste, all because it is a symbol that you're going to be rushed out of Egypt. And that's how you're going to be rushed out of Egypt. You know, you're going to be kicked out quick. Uh, and so eat in a hurry so you can hit the road, have everything with you so you can hit in the road. Think about your dad trying to get, get the family moving on, you know, you're going on vacation. Um, and has your dad uh, ever moved in a hurry like that? He has. <laughs> oh, son. I mean, we would never leave on time. Oh, I but, know. That's why I was asking. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're going somewhere. We got to leave early. We got to be up at five on the road by six. And dad is yelling and shouting and kicking us in the pants. And we're all a bunch of stupid little kids who just woke up. So we're tired and we're drowsy. You know, none of us are thinking clearly. Uh, can't even put on our pants because we're sitting there on the floor in our underwear, just kind of like, I really don't want to do anything right now. 
And dad's sitting there going, move, move, get your stuff on. We got to go, 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 get everything in the car. We're leaving. We will be on the road by six. That's the kind of hurry that these guys are leaving in, you know? Is there a breakfast? Yeah, there's a breakfast. There's a cereal bar. Woof it down. Get in the car. We're going. That is the kind of hurry that they're in. <laughs> that's true. And so that's how God told them to eat the Passover because, you know, uh, we're moving. it's a symbol. We're moving. We're getting out of here. And I kind of mentioned we're going on vacation, right? They're going to the promised land. That's yep. where God's taking them, you know. Uh, God has promised good things for them, and that is where they are going. And this is the first step. So... Um. Uh, anyway, the Exodus. <laughs> this is it, y'all. We're in the book of Exodus, and this is the part of the chapter where they actually leave. They actually X. They they they, they leave. That's when they Exodus ex is. Us. Exodus is when they're leaving. Uh, they're exiting. Uh, and so they're. This is it. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. Go serve your Lord as you have said. Also take um, your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. Um, let's see. I think we had actually got a little further on. Uh, they plundered the Egyptians. Uh, the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses. It was early in the morning and it sucketh. Uh, I mean, oh. Um, the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot. And besides children, um, they ate they uh, baked unleavened cakes. Uh, because they were driven out of the land of Egypt, they could not wait, nor had they prepared uh, provisions for themselves. Uh, now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. So all the time that they spent in Egypt was 430 years. Um, the generations, man. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout the generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus the children of Israel did. As the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass on that very same day, that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. So, wow, that's really interesting in the last little bit because God's telling him, you know, who can and who can't have the Passover. And he says, this is for my people. It's for nobody else. Nobody else can eat this Passover, just my people. 
So if you have a servant, he's yours. You own him. I consider him part of my people because one of my people owns him, right? Right. And so by extension, I own him also. He is mine. And so he can have the Passover, you know. Um, but what's it's really funny, cool you can, about you can this, almost You can almost reference that as covenantal promise. You, you know, your yeah. children being part of the covenant yeah. and by the blood of Christ. That's just... Yep. I, I don't know that I've ever actually thought about that. Yep. In the same way that, you know, a servant is. But so here's the interesting thing. Children. God's saying, hey, nobody can have this but my people. But he does say, if there's a sojourner in the land, mm -hmm. somebody who's not his people. This is what he has to do to get He there. wants to eat the Passover, which I'm kind of thinking, like, how many people, like, go into somebody else's land and see their traditions and stuff like that. And they're like, wow, this is cool stuff. I want to do that too. You know? Yeah. No, sorry. You can't, you don't belong here. All right. You're just passing through. This is our tradition. You can't take part of it. This is for us. That's kind of what's going on here. And what God says is, you know, if that if arises, they want to take it, they can, if, they become circumcised and their servants and become as a native. Then I will accept them as one of mine mm -hmm. and they can have the Passover and celebrate it and observe it. Uh, so it's very interesting, you know, um, and when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat it, you know. Uh, and so, basically, that's he's essentially adopting them in. He's giving them uh, these strangers a way to celebrate this feast, um, which is very hospitable. A, uh, B, that's something that they have to do, you know. Uh, it's don't take it lightly. <laughs> it's not going to be a fun process to, to be able to take the Passover. Right. Right. Um, but he opens that to them. And I think that this is a good, this is an area that's important because it's a foreshadowing of my dear friend Brig here and me and all of our listeners and all the Christians around today, because, um, we are not, you know, blood Israelites. Right. You know, we are somebody else. We we have been grafted in is the word. You know, we're not Jews. Um, and in the New Testament, it's very clear that, um, you know, God is accepting everybody else. He's, uh, um, you know, adopting the world in to his family, um, you know, and so that's kind of what's going on here in this Passover regulations. You know, we were sojourners. We came in, we're not a native, right? But God accepts us in and says, follow this and you will be as a native. You will be one of mine. Right. 
And so this is kind of sort of a foreshadowing of our salvation. Well, this is the old covenant. So you have yeah. the, you know, in the you have the new covenant, which yep. is a foreshadowing of the old. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, and that's not to. And Paul does, Paul does more justice to explaining it than either of us could ever do. Oh, goodness, yeah. But, we'll get there. And I have briefly, briefly touched on it, uh, hopefully not in a way that's uh, misleading either, because just being a Jew, um, actually being a Jew does not secure you um, a, uh, you know, a table with the Most High. Nay, nay. Uh, in fact, uh, it's actually difficult for Jews now to come to Christ because they were part of the old covenant right. and um, and God said, hey, I'm opening my doors to all nations now, not just you. And um, he also destroyed the temple. He destroyed the Jewish temple. He said, no, no two stones should be on top of each other, you know. And so he leveled the Jewish temple and said, all right, um, you people have had it good with me. And you see a moment of that in yeah. the in the uh, the Passion, yeah. you know, you splitting of the veil, which yeah. I thought that was such a good oh, scene. Oh, it's well done, very well done. You know, the priests are going back. They, mm -hmm. they think they've won. They're yeah. happy. They're in their, their temple, their safe space, and then... Yeah. Boom. Boom. And the temple the is torn temple in half. Is split in half. And uh, and they're just beside themselves. Yes. And it's because of that, you know, that we can have salvation. And Jews also, but they don't. There's no exceptions for them. Just being Jews, they have to trust in Christ and love Him, and accept Christ as their Savior also. Um, and it's hard for traditionalists. Um, who's been having a works righteousness up to that point uh, to do something like that. And so, anyway, a few we're getting, words to uh, we're getting say something close to time here. Uh, kind of gone over. Yeah, but, it's, it's, uh, and Zeke Woodward was actually not able to be with us uh, yeah, this evening. Yeah, he'll be with us another time. Another time. Uh, so I know I, I had put that on the Facebook page, but he ended up uh, having some other plans with yeah, family. Yeah, so. family plans. We'll uh, we'll wait yeah. to hear from him another time. And until anyway, next time, so, yeah, y'all take guys care. Adios. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and more. And be sure to like and check out our Facebook page.